Graham Revell got started as a keyboardist for the group, SPK, making 70s industrial music. Their single, In Flagrante Delico, was the basis for his score for Dead Calm, and that led him to compose other scores for The Crow, The Crow City of Angels, The Craft, The Saint, and more. And this is Sci-Fi Talk, the podcast on how sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and comics help us explore our humanity. Recently, he was a composer for the series Gotham. Here from my archives is my conversation with him on the film he scored, Eon Flux. Uh, well, we're doing it again. I don't know if they told you, but the first interview we did did rather well for me. Um, it was a good popular project. So. It was. It was good. And, uh, you know, uh, but, 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 but there's a lot of good stuff on there that we covered as well. So I, people Ooh. liked it, obviously, and, uh, and, and good for them. So that's great to hear that. I'm not so sure that Eon Flux is quite so popular. <laughs> well, you know, um, no, it's not. she's kind of holding her own. Um, you know, yeah. she's still in the top ten box office wise. I mean, there's a lot of competition right now. Oh, yeah. uh, I mean, there's 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 Narnia, there's also oh. King Kong, of course. Mm-hmm. And uh, but she's really holding. She hasn't slipped below the top ten yet, which is great. Right. Yep. So that's pretty good considering the competition, you know. Yeah. And and promotion wise, I have to admit, I didn't hear there wasn't a lot of done. You know, on no, the they, film. Um, I don't know why, but Paramount didn't get it. You know, the science fiction is a bit like that. I, yeah. Unless it's a sort of big, big special effects thing, uh, the studios still don't get science fiction. I don't think. No, they don't. They, they really no, don't get this. Just they, uh, and they got all scared, you know, because it was there was a lot of stuff in the film about. Uh, you know, about the concept, and it's quite a lot of exposition. Possibly a little too much. That's and, uh, possible. You know, the studio just uh, kept wanting to do what they always do, cut it, cut it, cut it, trim it down, you know, just keep going with the action, which, of course, ruins a movie usually. There you go. Yeah. So the studio doesn't have the confidence, and then uh, this marketing, you know, gets shortchanged. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Whatever. That's what happens. But, you know, there's always DVD, too, you know? Yeah, exactly. And, and a lot of movies find their lives and there, and, um, yep. you know, there's, there's, uh, I'm hoping that, you know, a lot of Karin Kusama's movie gets put back, you know, for the DVD. So I think that'd yeah, be kind of neat. That would be good, yeah. What was it like to work with her in this project? Um, really good. I mean, she was a little bit um, shell-shocked by, this, by the process. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think her vision of the movie was quite different, um, more focusing on the love story and the, you know, the tragedy mm-hmm. um, rather than, you know, the quick-cutting right. to the action, yeah. um, which the, the studio insisted upon. So she was, she was a little bit uh, disappointed by the time I came on, but we had a really good relationship and... Uh, Hopefully, um, you know, it did well enough for her to, to keep going because I think she's got quite a lot of talent. Oh, there's no question about that. You know, there's no doubt about that. I mean, I could see that. I think, I think visually, she certainly knows what's what's good. Uh, so that's what I was. That's why I was so attracted by it. You know, when I first saw it, it's like, oh my, to see something that wasn't um, shot in that gothic way. You know, yeah. lots of rain and darkness. It was all shot in broad daylight and was quite beautiful. So, there's much more with Graham Revell in a moment. She went towards a more organic future, which I thought kind of worked in this particular project, you know. And yeah, I, I thought it did too. And that, you know, the cherry orchard and the yeah, thought there was a little bit of cursour about it. And yes, it was, didn't it? Yeah. It goes to the fact that they shot in Berlin and they found this incredible architecture that just seemed to blend with that future so well. Yeah, I agree. 
You know, it just uh, it added a lot to it, and it, it really helped them. And uh, you know, she was able to put together at least visually what she wanted, and, and to yep. go from there. Yep. And and Charlize was, I thought, a perfect choice. Yes, I thought she was very good, actually. I, I think she um, was the only other female star at the moment that can um, pull off a kind of uh, action role like that, along with uh, Angelina Jolie, I think. Right. And still look beautiful doing it and uh, emotional and and all that. And it was quite exciting for me because she actually bothered to come out to my studio and um, hear some of the music cues and make make some a few little comments. Not not much. She was really polite and I complimented her because not many actors uh, bother to do that. You know, they kind of disappear in post and sometimes their movie gets ruined. Yeah. Without them knowing it, so she's very diligent and wants to. Uh, uh, even though she wasn't a producer on this one, um, wanted just to see yeah. how it worked and what was happening, and it was very cool. I enjoyed it. It could be down the road she's thinking of directing or producing movies, so it's. Yeah, I think it's, she did produce the um, what was it called, Monster. She did. Yes, she did. Yes. Yeah. So she has done that, and yeah, I'm, I'm quite sure she's got broader talents than than acting. And it's and it's amazing for her to go to this project right from monster that's quite an about face Mm -hmm. you know she really did something um now as far as musically did did you did you have discussions with karen on how you wanted to go musically or did she just pretty much leave you to do it well i had a uh you know as you know i I came in i was the um uh, like there had been a single composer on first yes and then there was a a team of two guys and Mm -hmm. um both those hadn't uh, weathered the storm very well, so they brought me on. You know, I immediately heard the score as soon as I saw. I always do, in fact. I, they show me some of the movie, and I immediately start hearing what it is I'd like to write. That's interesting. Cool. Hmm. Yeah. It's like some kind of synesthesia thing with composers, I think. Yeah. And, um, you know, I explained what it was I wanted to do, and they had uh, they had some temp on there from a basically from a different kind of movie, um, which I really, really disliked. I mm. think it was so inappropriate. And I was bold enough to suggest that, and they all said, thank God, um, the creative team anyway, because we hated the studio's choice. And uh, I just realized there was a certain thing about it. There was a, a rhythmic element to it that they wanted to keep, you know, moving the story along. Yeah. Um, at the same time as telling all the other elements of story. Yeah. And uh, that was the trick, really, is you know, if you're trying to take these sort of hyper-modern techno kind of uh, approach, it's very hard to tell these different types of story at the same time. Right. And um, not that many people can do it, so yeah. that was the reason it hadn't worked up until then, you know? Mm. So how long was uh, your involvement in this particular project? Only three weeks. Oh, just three weeks. That's a very brief time, obviously. So yeah. you were kind of like the fixer. Cool. You know, it was all electronics and it has to be mixed in detail and not just an orchestral thing that you bang out in a couple of days. You know? mm. Mm. How, were you, how did you feel about the, the, the completed, uh, the finished product as far as musically? Well, I liked it. I think it's, uh, I hope to, to have some kind of freshness, you know, in the synth kind of way of doing things. I think, um, obviously, there's a lot of scenes where it's just pure mayhem and shootout. So there's right. quite a lot of scenes where it's just full-on rhythm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, probably works uh, a lot better in the movie than it maybe does on a CD. But um, that would be about my only comment. But I, I was really happy with that. Uh, you know, it, in another sense, it's quite difficult to um, to 
to score female action heroes. You can't be too heavy and too, you know, over the top um, like you can with some of the male action heroes. Their, right. their, their physical presence doesn't feel like that. It feels much more sinuous and elegant and kind of sexy, you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You have to take it a different way. And I think that's why you, you may have films like... I guess the predecessors, Catwoman and, and Electra, didn't do so well. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's a trick. Part of the problem, I think, with both those films, uh, in particular Catwoman, was uh, a lot of the fans just objected to them changing the whole mythology of Catwoman. And yeah, also, but I think the, the biggest problem is, is that the, I mean, superhero films succeed on the basis of how good their villains are. Yeah, exactly. Catwoman, I've worked on another one, which I won't talk about, where the mm-hmm. villain wasn't that exciting, but the Catwoman, where you know, your, your villain is some kind of ex-model Sharon Stone, who now has sort of got some makeup plan to take over the world, it's, it's just not sufficient. You know? Exactly. <laughs> that, that was a big problem with the movie, no doubt about it. Uh, where's the, you know, the, the film writing 101? Where's the stakes? Where's the jeopardy? Where's, you know, all that? <laughs> that little <laughs> just, word, it's conflict. It's not there. <laughs> yeah, conflict, exactly. The conflict isn't uh, isn't big enough, then uh, you don't uh, feel anything for the hero. Yeah, and Electra, Electra was almost quite getting there for me, but there were just some things that were missing. She was perfect, just like Charlize was. She was right for the role. Really worked hard at it. You can really tell that she did. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, getting Terrence Stamp and some of these other great actors involved was a good move. Right. But the problem was they had this crack team to go after her, and they stunk. <laughs> you know, they, yeah, exactly. They weren't that great. So, uh, you know, it didn't, uh, it didn't make it for me. So it, that was part of the problem. It was like the villains, it's like, oh, she's dispatching these guys a little too easily for me. It's like, you know, put up some resistance and then make it more interesting. Exactly. But there is a, uh, a delicate balance to the superhero films and, mm-hmm. and to get it right or action hero films. Yeah. And if you don't get it just right, you know, they just fall apart. And, and those other two, they just, got too many things wrong that it was really almost impossible to to correct it I mean I really yeah. was I think with um, Eon Flux uh, the, if you look at the various fan sites I mean there's a lot of people who uh, who are rating it poorly but there's an equal number of people who are rating it really highly and saying look you know you're just reacting to the fact that the studio didn't have the balls to um, to put it out there for uh, for the critics yeah, you're, you're assuming because they they were scared that uh, it must be bad, and in fact, it's actually not. You know, it's it's uh, it, it's quite a good movie. It's probably why it's even in the top ten, probably from because of the fans, because of the yeah, fan of the MTV cartoon. You know, it was such a great yeah. animated series. Mm-hmm. So when I heard they're going to make a project of this, I was like, oh, this is great. That's a great idea because it's something, you know, that I used to watch. And I mean, the 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 part with the uh, you know right from the right from the animated series apart with her eyelid I mean that's right from the animated series yeah exactly yeah. so I mean obviously that was just an homage to uh, you know to it so it was yeah. it tie things together a little bit but it yeah. worked you know um, yeah. the thing about Eon I, you know I don't I don't know if it was in the film as much is that she just had this real edge to her yeah and that, she was more edgy and the fact she died every week you know well that too yeah but uh, but yeah it was just very edgy and a little yeah. dark Darker, so um, maybe maybe that's what was missing a little bit in the uh, in this particular film. But yeah, other than that, I thought they captured it pretty well, and I, you know, Charlize was just right on. 
Oh, yeah, she's been fabulous. Now, I just heard that uh, they have just released Sin City, which I know you worked on, um, yep. in an um, uncut version. Is there, like, any extra music that was uh, for that version as well that you had worked on along with the other composers? I don't think so, but I, I went to the um, release party, and Robert was saying that he had um, recombined some things. As you know, that if you listen to the CD, the end title, yeah. um, you know, I, I guess it's credited to Robert, but... Um, you know the bass line and the sax line and the vocal line and all that stuff is, is all mine so mm -hmm. he had reconstituted a lot of the elements into I think some new cues for the DVD and, oh cool um, kind of fun I also there's some great special features on it as well where he uh, he takes the whole film um, and just shows us the green screen version oh cool with the actors in front of the green screen yeah but um, in continuity and I think he runs it at eight, 80 times speed or something so the whole movie goes by in nine minutes oh, that's great <laughs> that's funny which is just great I mean you can put it in slow motion and see how that scene was done and da 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 da, -da you know yeah I, I think that's he's really fun really fun DVD oh yeah it sounds like it is. It's definitely worth picking up. No doubt about it. The second, the second one is in production for uh, starting shooting next June. Oh, great, great. I know you're involved with that one as well, and even the third I hear, too. Uh, I don't know. I mean, you hear more than I do. I'm, I'm hoping. Because <laughs> uh, they re they indicated that there's is there's going to be two more. It looks like. Yeah. I I, I know you're going to do two, obviously, but I would think he's going to keep the whole uh, team together for number three as well. Oh, uh, I hope so. I, I I haven't heard him. Have you heard that he said that he's going to keep the team? I haven't heard him say anything. It just it's ah. it's it's listed on um, on IMDb and and things oh, okay. like that. So well, that'd uh, be cool. I mean, uh, of course, we're hoping, and I think it was a really successful collaboration. Oh yeah. 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 Yeah, I'd obviously love to. So yeah, that was uh, that movie was easily one of the most original movies of the year. Yeah, and uh, what he did, he really pushed the envelope uh, in making a living graphic novel. I thought that was just amazing. Yep. And it just, I mean, we discussed it before, and it was just a lot of good things that worked for it. And I'm really looking forward, uh, you know, putting two and two together. I realized the project that you were working on and that you couldn't discuss was Shark Boy and Lava Girl that you were going right, to do. Yeah. So obviously that's a, a totally different direction to score than something like yeah. this. Yeah. So that, that must have been fun to do something like that. It was, yeah. It was very quick. I was only like about 10 days or two weeks or something like that. And just that one character basically and I remember I went ahead and scored some other themes which he liked he wasn't expecting me to score and I think they, he put those in as well so it was, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun he's such an eclectic guy oh he is he really I mean to go from doing something like Sin City to you know a, a kids movie it's really amazing but yeah, uh, three days later <laughs> yeah yeah I guess only he can you know can do that and kind of switch his brain you know from one mode to another pretty quickly Graham Revell returns talking his score for Eon Flux. He did something really original, and the fact that he, I can't remember anyone who did a collaboration like he's done with Frank Miller on this film. No, and I think Frank's a hard person to win the trust of, and uh, it's great to see him at, uh, at this DVD party just saying that, you know, whatever he does, he'd love to do more, and it will always be in Austin, not in Hollywood, you know? Yeah, yeah, that doesn't happen often enough. No, no. So that's great. I mean, that's just, uh, to hear him say something like that is, uh, is, is just fantastic. So, yep. looking forward to the second one. So, they'll start shooting in June, it looks like. Is that what you're saying? Uh, that's, what, that's what he said. Yeah. Cool, cool. So, then probably when would you get the score or the film to start scoring along with the others? 
not too long after that, I don't think. I mean, I think it was a 26-day shoot, the first one. Wow, that's pretty short when you think about mm-hmm. it. That's a lot of great, talented people that kind of uh, grab all together, but it looks like everybody jumped well, on board. the other thing, they weren't all together. Well, I mean, I know what you mean, but yeah. that, there was not a single time when any of the major actors was on the set with any other major actor. That's true. That's true, yeah, because they were all little vignettes, so they didn't all have to be together. And you know, I, Well, even, though they, even when you see them in a scene together, uh, they weren't there. They weren't there together, yeah, the technology. Later on, yeah. So I guess when, even when they were in the bar and there were scenes that there was like overlap, when Marv was there drinking during, uh, right. when Bruce Willis would walk in, a lot of times Mickey might have not even been there when Bruce was there. So yeah, that's kind of wild. Exactly, not a lot of the time, but all the time. All the time, wow, that's amazing. Nobody was there when anybody else was there. So if you look at all the cuts, you realize that, oh yeah, no, they're not there together, you know? <laughs> yeah, they only exist in the, in, the, in the movie itself, and that's the only way it exists. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, very original movie. I'd say one of the most original of the year and one of the best graphic novel slash comic book adaptations. And uh, it works perfectly because it captures the mood uh, very well. And uh, it just really just elevated that whole genre up a lot more. And it set, up, it set the bar higher for anything that's coming up. So we'll see if other people, uh, you know, pick up the gauntlet and try to do a good job as well. I have to tell you something that I did this summer. My brother has a big screen uh, projector, projection system. And he likes to show, in the summer we watch movies outside, and we watch Dune on the big screen outside. Fantastic. And and, and the music sounded terrific out there, too. It really did. He had it through his speakers and he cranked it. Man, it was really an adventure to see it that way. It's beautiful. Fantastic. That's a nice thing to do. Yeah, it really was. And the fact the DVD quality sound was just terrific. So it was great. Beautiful. Yeah, I wanted to share that with you because I'm sure you would appreciate that. So that was uh, that was terrific. Cool. Now, actually, you had worked with Robert on From Dust Till Dawn, too. Yes. Yeah. Is that the first time you two met when you were working on that film? Or? Yeah. Yeah, he um, called me over. He had the whole of the first half of the film um, before the zombies arrived. He had a uh, tent with dead calm. Yes, that's right. And uh, and he loved it and um, went over there. And I said, I saw the film and I said, I really want to write a mariachi surf opera. And he says, cool, dude. I always wanted to hear one of those. <laughs> 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 so that was the way I got that job. Cool. <laughs> you know, that's just his sensibility, really. That's why he loves the, you know, the sense of my uh, stuff and um, in in Sin City, he just loves that kind of flash of crazy things happening all at one time. And there's a lot of that in Sin City. Well, like well, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I know we talked about it, but but Marv's theme was just so perfect for Marv. It was just fit so perfectly. That was really cool. And he's such a great character. I'm glad Mickey will be back for the next one. So I mean, you couldn't do it without Marv. And and there's so many great possibilities. We've only seen just a little smidgen of that world. So there's a lot more to see. So that's cool. That's really how they go on from there. And actually, I, you know, you, you scored actually two of the Crow films, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, working at, and speaking of working with a, a different type of, uh, of hero, uh, what was that experience like for you? Well, The Crow was very, of course, one step different from even just a movie, the fact that Brandon Lee died. Yes, of course. Yeah. And um, I had been looking at the film anyway and thinking that it was actually kind of a, uh, this is a bit nasty. It's hard to like this guy. Um as a purely movie character because uh, I mean essentially something bad happens to him and all he does is go around offing people in the worst possible way yeah that's true from then on and you know it's very important to 
remind you even uh, with a hero of their motivation and their, uh, the fact that there's some redemption there at some point and so I really um, I had to lobby the filmmakers extremely hard to go off and do that uh, piece of string orchestra and in fact that's the, the sort of the main theme I had to pay for it myself they wouldn't pony up any money for it but you know sometimes it's worth it I did the same thing for the, the horn scene and pitch black you know it's just yeah uh, sometimes you just have to say look this is what it needs and if you're not going to give it to me then I put my money where my mouth is and just do it myself so but I was so glad I did that with the crow because I think it gave a, a real humanity and, and when when Brandon died it became even more necessary to do that to write a kind of a I don't know a requiem yeah definitely definitely him as a human being rather than just the character and I think everybody really relates to the crow in that way oh yeah it's yeah. bigger than just for a lot of people it's bigger than just a movie yeah it really is it really was something special you know the, yeah, the first one I think one. it's also a, uh, yeah. it's a, a real touchstone for the anybody who's interested in any of that kind of gothic um, lifestyle as well well I mean yeah I mean in some ways it's uh, if you look at the movie Underworld I, I mean you can definitely see an influence you know oh. from the style of the crow no doubt about it oh many 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 movies <laughs> yeah yeah exactly that's just one of them even you know you can even say the Matrix in some ways because it was before yeah, the Matrix because of all the rock and yeah Exactly. Oh yeah, absolutely. Brandon was just so hard to replace. You know, he was just yeah. so perfect for that part. Yeah, and the second one didn't work anywhere near as well. And I don't think I think Alex Proyas never forgave anybody that worked on the second one. Uh, you know, he thought that it was a betrayal. Oh, oh betrayal. Okay. Brandon, but he forgets that you know he was on the set standing behind, standing beside Brandon when it happened, and he he knew him. Yeah. And uh, you know, we in post production never had the privilege and it wasn't that kind of experience for us so yeah um, you know it was to me it was a, a very interesting film and I wanted to try and see what I could do with the second one and unfortunately it didn't work out so well but here you go you know the the thing too that's you know of course the sad part about it is that it literally would have made Brandon and you know it was really on his way to becoming to reaching stardom because of that oh, film yeah. a lot of doors would have opened up for him had you mm -hmm. know had he completed the film so right. it's just that's the well, probably that's one of the many tragedies but obviously the first is that we you know we just lost him so yeah. but uh, yeah he was really ready for something special I think that just makes it even sadder you know that's, that's a real shame I understand you also did uh, the fog that's uh, recently was done yeah now had you seen the original at all uh, with John way Carter? back in the day yeah. yeah really I don't I didn't look at it again though because I I, I remember the score had something to do with a fairly simple piano line, which mm -hmm. I, which I, you know, I went to as an homage. Oh, that's but, nice. Um, but I didn't really, uh, I didn't want to go back. And same as Assault on Precinct 13, my other Carpenter remake of the year was, uh, you know, it's a fresh movie. They're trying to up the ante, and you want to bring a new sensibility to it. So. Now, with the fog, did you uh, did you have something in mind specifically after seeing what you saw, or was this also something kind of like on depending on what the marching orders were, the director? <laughs> no, I mean, you always you always hear it and you see what it means. In this case, it, uh, the difficulty with the fog as a as an entity is that it's um, it's not uh, the fog, fog is not a shock, you know. Right, exactly. Fog is not inherently very scary. Yeah. I always say, like, what, what, what's the worst thing that could happen? You, you could get a bit damp and get a nasty cough. You know? 
<laughs> that's, that's about it. And you can't see in front of you. That's about it. You know? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, just don't drive and you're okay, probably. Yeah. But, <laughs> but you know, so it's, it's quite difficult. Plus, fog moves extremely slowly, so you're not going to get too many jumps as it comes around the corner. That's right. That's right. I'm sure they had to uh, speed it up a little bit for the film, but... Uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it, it just, yeah, normally it just doesn't go that that fast and a lot of times it just kind of hangs there it really doesn't do anything that's right yeah. so you have um, to uh, you know work with it you have to work with it a little bit sort of and I know so from a movie making point of view and from a horror movie point of view it's it's uh, it's um, it was tricky you know it's, it's a, a challenge and I think we got some jumps yeah but um, overall you know it's uh, I don't know I don't have much to say about that one and I understand you actually um Worked on uh, on an episode of CSI Miami, scoring the whole the whole first season and half the second season. Wow, what's I mean, t- scoring television's got to be a really crazier pace than movies. Yeah, you know, you develop, you, you build up some library from the first episode, and, and there you, you go. use, adapt, and change, and add instruments and subtract and things like that. So you can do that, but um, no, I did it really as a favor of my friend Danny Cannon. Uh, oh yeah, sure. One of the creators of Voice, one of the primary directors of CSI. They were a little bit worried about CSI Miami because it was the first spin-off. Yeah. And the acting was, you know, quite different, so they weren't sure if it was going to work or not, so they just thought they would ask me as a friend just to look after it for and get it started. So, sure. Um, I was happy to do that. and I don't generally like to do much TV because, as you say, the pace is... Oh, yeah. You kind of locked into doing 15 to 20 minutes a week. Uh, but it was fun, you know, it was like a... It was cool. I've seen some nice... Uh, some nice reviews on the internet and oddly enough uh, even as a film composer who does some big movies um, I got a lot more feedback from CSI from the po- from the mailman and you know the gardener and all those guys than I do from any of the movies so well, it is <laughs> I, was bri- a, I was briefly famous it is a, it is a, an incredibly uh, popular series and it actually uh, what ended up happening was uh, it, it started to kind of form its own identity uh, yeah. where the where the really the two of them are so different that there's really no overlap because it's the setting and the cast and the stories uh, you know they they tend to tailor the stories to their environment this is an opportunity for the music to be a bit more vibrant and yeah well because of the setting you know well that's my New York has worked so well I'm not sure they're still I think they're still trying to find New York uh, they haven't they haven't uh, this one I think is going to take them a little while to get it to get the vibe of it down uh, I don't think they're there yet I mean the cast is also great in this one uh, but you know and I think part of the reason they had a CSI Miami crossover was to kind of help New York a little bit out but right. uh, but I you know I think it's going to take them a little while with this one but because it's CSI I think they'll give them a little bit more time that if it wasn't connected with Bruckheimer and the other shows they wouldn't get the, they wouldn't have the patience for it you know be gone they would have been gone already so uh, uh, I'm hoping that they uh, they find their own rhythm and, and continue to do it. Yeah. That'd be cool. Now, I really want to thank you for taking time out uh, from the holidays and uh, oh, you're and speaking to me. It was a pleasure again, and uh, 
you know, congratulations on, uh, you know, the, the scores are always great to listen to that you do. And uh, of course, Sin City, man, the collaboration between the three of you was just spot on. And, uh, Thank you. you know, yeah, is there anything that you might have coming up uh, and that you can talk about that, that you're not, working not on? Not in the sci-fi genre, but some... Um, well, it could I be think. anything. Okay, well, I do have two movies coming up. Uh, one's early next year. That's called uh, Harsh Times. Oh, cool. I'm yeah. Not sure if I mentioned it last time, it's... Um, David Ayer, A-Y-E-R, The mm. Rope Training Day. Oh, first, yeah, uh, yeah. First directorial debut with um, with uh, Christian Bale. And it's a really tough, uh, you know, East L.A. training day kind of movie. Wow, and great. It's very sparse score, but, but interesting. Cool. Um, and I just uh, did the very, very first uh, Hollywood-Bollywood co-production called Marigold. So oh. I was writing Indian music for the last... <laughs> three or four weeks and uh, that was really that's a lot of fun I mean it's a it's the usual Indian song and dance film but it's something that I wanted to do and I'm working on a spinning off into a concert piece um, you know with Indian music and uh, and just moving into a whole different world so it's fun very very cool that's great that... myself uh, involved you know switching across genres and I think I probably told you last time I did two video games this year as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah it's great. They became their biggest selling titles ever, so it's cool. Yeah, oh, it's because of the music, of course. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the heck with the game. Lost. <laughs> yeah, we're lost without it, you know? Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> exactly right. He is currently working on Werewolves of Miami, where he wrote the theme. And Sci-Fi Talk Plus is a great podcasting gift not only for yourself, but also for friends and family. With over 800 episodes commercial-free, uncut, and even special programs. The best part about it, it's free. For a lifetime. Just click on the link in the show notes for that free lifetime access. This is Tony Tolado. Thanks for listening.